Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to Conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt als wär's ein Rhythmus als gäb's ein Lied das mich immer weiter Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is uh, Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been this week? Bryce, I've been really good, thank you. It's good to speak to you again. I'm a little tired. I've been at a wedding all weekend, so um, I'm like deep into extra time, 119 minutes tired, but I think I've still got a good... A good hour left in me because I train that hard. Don't worry, when uh, when Manu's talking, we'll get you done. We'll stretch out those calves. We'll keep you going. And but, uh, also, yes. Bryce, I yes. thought last week couldn't be topped, but this week is going to be topped, and it's nothing to do with football that's being played on a pitch, which is brilliant because it's nice to talk football, isn't it? But sometimes it's nice to talk what's going on, and this has been another crazy week. Yeah, well, that's it. Obviously, the uh, Bundesliga isn't on at the moment because it's the summer break, but there's an awful lot going on off the pitch, isn't there? There's plenty to talk about. Um, we seem to say that every week, but there always is. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll move over to um, another person that joins us every week, and that's uh, Manu, Manu Vett. Uh, Manu, how's your week been? You're still in Germany, aren't you? Yeah, still in Munich, still covering mostly the craziness that is 1860, and I know our guest is probably laughing hard and strong about this, but um, yeah, still covering a lot about that. But um, there's been some stuff going on at Bayern, and I think that's going to be a big topic. But yeah, um, Chris, just need to mention this real quick. We trained you really hard in Berlin. Uh, you should be all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that Leipzig trip was was good training. Yes, it was, uh, most certainly. But um, yeah, as Manu said, we do have another guest with us uh, this week. Uh, we, we did have uh, Max on last week. Uh, and, and this week we've got uh, something quite special, uh, really, all the way from uh, America. Uh, we've got Susie Shaft. Uh, Su- Susie, you're, you're a bit of a Bayern Munich um, expert. Um, but s- t- tell us more uh, about yourself uh, and, and what exactly you, you do. Oh, Wow. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. I've spoken with uh, Manu on a different pod before, so it's a pleasure to make my debut on Gig and Pressing. I'm an American-born with a Brazilian-German father and a German mother, and uh, kind of grew up watching the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. I'm from Florida uh, with Gerd Müller and George Best in the late 70s, and uh evolved into my Bayern fandom from there and uh, been a lifelong supporter. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know what to say. I think I've been, I've been writing about football now. I kind of jumped into it on accident for about close to 10 years and um, currently don't write so much. I talk a lot more, which may be not a good thing. <laughs> But I was with uh, I was with ESPN for six years, uh, writing about DFB and Bayern, and uh, now I do articles for uh, Bayern Central, uh, Bundesliga Fanatic, and I'm doing some editing and podcasting work for In Bed with Maradona, which is very exciting for me. Step, uh, I get to step out of my German fandom um, a lot more into world football, and that's something I'm really really looking forward to do wow well yes uh, thank you very much for coming on Susie. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time out 
And yeah, but we're going to have plenty to talk about, especially a certain uh, player moving over to Bayern. But um, we're going to just go back to uh, Chris uh, briefly and speak about his side, Borussia Dortmund. They, they've had a fairly busy, um, well, off-season uh, and appointing a, a new manager. Um, Chris, what can you tell us about the new man at the helm? Oh, well, he's uh, come from Ajax. Um, so anyone that watched the Europa League or any of the um, Dutch League last year will be fully versed in him. Um Peter Bosch, correct pronunciation is Bosch. Um, yeah, he is looks to be a perfect fit for me. Um, if you look at the way Ajax play, they're a very young side, very talented young side as well. Um, crucially for me, um, it's the formation that they play throughout the season. So four three three offensive, which, um, as we've talked on this pod many a time, is the preferred formation for Borussia Dortmund out and out attack which is what the three of us have talked on um, and I've been lucky enough to go and see a couple of times this season or last season it's the way he works with young players for me that I think this is going to be really really key uh, I'm very excited to see the way to see the way he's going to line up I think we a big future with um, Christian Pulisic and Dembele uh, on the on the flanks and um, I think now we're going to look like we're going to see um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang up front again next season. Also signed Maximilian Philip as well this week um, with Marco Royce out with some time with the injury to his ACL. So it's been a really good week. But yes, the, the acquisition of Bosch's they, they had to move quick, didn't they? Tuchel went, um, and you can't have a vacuum like that. When you've got such talented players, the last thing you want is a, is a managerial vacuum and you've got other clubs sniffing around them and trying to unsettle them and try and move them on and they moved very quickly um, to, to bring Bosch in and I'm, I'm very excited to see next season we've all said previously that Dortmund are a young side and they stand on the cusp of of making that next step because of the youth they've got and, and the talent within that youth they're going to be good for the next four, five, six seasons I would think and then you, the youngsters are going to hit full prime so, um, so the acquisition of Bosch is a masterstroke for me uh, I'm really really excited whether he continues to um, get on with the managers above him and the board it's something we saw in Ajax uh, maybe he had a little bit of confrontation um, but we'll have to wait and see all the signs are so good so far um, I watched the um, Facebook live um, press conference when he arrived um, yeah he seems very very happy um, he seems a good fit he's fluent in German as well which I think was one of the key um, key drivers for him to be recruited as well as his coaching ability he can speak to the players fluently so it's going to be a um, it's going to be a good few weeks I think because the German transfer market's been moving quick and fast and rapid um, in comparison to other parts of Europe so I'd be interested to see if they bring anybody in I've heard a couple of ramblings um, especially with the likes of um, Troyer but obviously he's owned by Chelsea at the moment but that's supposedly a key enabler of Bosch coming in so quickly so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Borussia Dortmund heavily linked with him in the next couple of days and weeks and Manu what, what do you think do you think uh, Peter Bosch is going to be a, a, a good addition to the Bundesliga yeah I think so I mean he has a, a Bundesliga past he's played for for Hansa Rostock and um, it's even defeated Hansa, with Hansa Rostock Borussia Dortmund at one point um, something that was brought up I believe in the press conference as well I, I I mean I mentioned this on this part before. I have um a close connection to Ajax just because of the time I've spent in the Netherlands living in Amsterdam and it's it's a club that's always been very dear to me. And I think they were one of the most exciting teams to watch last year in Europe, in Europe proper. And this includes um Monaco that was everyone's darling. Um, the side was 22.7 years old on average. And I'm not talking about starting 11s here. I'm talking about the entire squad at Amsterdam. And he formed a team that did very well in the Netherlands, um, despite not winning the title. Feyenoord was just a little bit too strong, a little bit more experienced and, you know, had a high point average. Ajax's point average last year was 2.13. That's very good. And it was the type of football that they played too. Um, with the side that they had always full throttle. Uh, of course, at times, you know, they, they lacked that defensive stability that they needed to perhaps, uh, unsettle Manchester United in the final. Um, there was, of course, a couple of scary moments for them against Schalke and the, the quarterfinal, you know, where they almost, almost went out despite the 2-0 lead. 
and then against Olympic Lyon, the same thing happened to them. But I think that was mostly about age and a little bit of scare about, you know, playing in big European stadiums. But they, they handled themselves very well, I thought, and they handled themselves quite well in the league too. He has also resurrected um, the career of one player who is heavily going heavily featured the Confederations Cup for Germany, Armin Younes, um, who has had all the tools necessary to be a very very good player, but couldn't really translate that to to good playing time and went to Amsterdam two years, and which which was an unorthodox move for a young German player, and um, saw him now in both national team games over the last week or so and he was excellent in both and uh, a fantastic player to watch and Peter Bosch made that happen you know he formed this player and there's a couple other players you know in that squad where you can just see you know there's there's a, in Germany you say there's a clear handschrift a clear handwriting and he has that there's a, there you can tell this is Peter Bosch football and um, that's playing 4-3-3 playing attacking style football and playing attractive football and that's the kind of Amsterdam Amsterdam school but I I feel that that's also Borussia Dortmund's aspirations to play like that and it's, a, it's similar to what of course Klopp played game pressing high attacking lines um, trying to get the ball quickly and, and move across the field quickly and I think that's a very good fit um, I was a bit surprised about the, the rumblings I heard when he left the the fight that he had with the Ajax bosses and judging from my experience in living in the Netherlands is that because what I heard throughout the season at Ajax was that he actually handled that situation of having to deal with all these big personalities at Ajax and Ajax is is the equivalent of Bayern in the Netherlands right there's a lot of big personalities in the room and he handled that quite well it only really fell apart when he announced that he wanted to take the step to Borussia Dortmund and um there's a lot of pride in Dutch football, and there's a lot of pride about around Ajax Amsterdam. It's the it's a symbol of Dutch football. It's the symbol of success, and I think that um, they took it almost in a bit of the wrong way, and that was was really what was the falling out was because throughout the season it actually worked quite well, even with Dennis Perka, who we didn't have the best relationship with. So I think in that department they will be actually all right. Um, you have to remember, Borussia Dortmund paid a lot of money for this guy. So, you know, Ajax wouldn't have had demanded that if there would have been issues. So I think personally, it's a very interesting choice. Um, we're not going to lie. It was not the number one choice. That was uh, Lucien Favre. That didn't happen. And they were moved quickly and got, got the B option. And I think this B option is a very good option because he has shown that he can work with young players very well. And Susie, how will Bayern Munich uh, look at this? Will, will they be... You know, non-plus, they're going to win the league anyway, or, or are they going to be a little bit wary of this new guy coming in with a quite a big, exciting, um, attacking reputation? I. So my personal feeling about Bayern Munich's tactics is that they're boring now. And um, it's kind of <laughs> so it's kind of a pleasure to see um, balls coming in just from a German football fandom perspective, period. Correct. Right. Uh, the work he's done with Ajax, uh, although I want to say that um, I would have maybe liked to have seen that experiment go a little bit longer than it did. And I think uh, Manuel will back me up on that as well, just as kind of a sympathetic uh, type of type of team. The 4-3-3 uh, looks really good. And especially with Dortmund's uh, ever threatening front line. Um, could cause problems. Uh, I'm excited. I, you know, I, I always look forward to every season and I, I like a closer competition, you know, I don't think it's necessary for Byron to win the league by 15, 19, 25 points. I, to me that, I mean, oh yeah, as a, as a Homer, as a, as a fan, you know, you kind of want to beat everybody's butt, but I think uh, I think if teams can start to get closer and to keep it close all season, it just makes it um, better for the league overall uh, as far as watchability around the world. Well, and you get you need the competition, don't you? The best times Pardon? the Bayern, you need the competition as Bayern Munich. Yeah, because yeah, the best times so. you had were when Borussia Dortmund was as strong as when we look back at 2013 at the Champions League final. Those two two teams were almost on level. 
And that's not the case right now. And I think for the league to be successful in Europe, you need to have two or three teams that can challenge Bayern on a consistent basis. Absolutely. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, Chris, I want to ask you, can I ask you a tactical question? Um, do you see uh, Bosch ever using a three-five-two again, or has that gone the wayside as Tuchel has left, left the club? Well, that's a brilliant question. I, I think going by just what he's done with um, Ajax, it has been, I checked last season just so I was complete on this, the only time he, he deviated from the 4-3-3 um, offensive is he played 4-3-3 defensive. And then very, very early on in the season, in the um, Champions League qualifier against um, Pauk, he played a 5-3-2. Um, and they won. They won 2-1 away from home. So maybe he might take a couple of weeks, maybe I'd say up to match day five, match day six, um, to see how his 4-3-3 is going. I, I think it will be his first choice. Um, it would be my first choice. And um, Manu and Bryce and I have, have debated on this in the past, why Tuchel didn't go 4-3-3 at times and, and sort of upset the apple cart with a way of dropping points um, here and there throughout the season, which undoubtedly left them in, in third place in the end and, and not a higher challenger. So I would be surprised if he changed, but... Um, it will obviously be um, guided by um, who's available, what their fitness levels are, um, if there's any sort of damage to either Pulisic or um, Dembele. I think he may try and look to bring in um, Philip on a maybe more of a less straight in thrown into the you know into the into the deep end with the four three three. May look to adapt it slightly, but I would be uns- I'd be very surprised. Sorry, if um, maybe until match day six. Uh, we saw four three three offensive every single game, um, unless for some unknown reason um, Dortmund stumble again um, early on in the season, which I, I can't really see now with Bosch coming in. Um, but stranger things have happened. I would be very surprised Susie, if he deviated from his preferred and what we would all agree is Dortmund's preferred formation. The three five two was horrible. You you know my opinion on three five two. Um, we spoke about it many times in this pod. It, it was horrible every time. It didn't work. I mean, I I I like the formation in general. I just didn't like it for Dortmund, which yeah. made me giggle about it. <laughs> but but yeah, um, I totally get it and 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 see the merits of of four three three with the side under Bosch. Uh, next season for sure Manu Chris mentioned that it looks like a Pierre Emmerich uh, Aubameyang is not going to be uh, at Dortmund next season um, but w- what exactly is going on there I mean there's there's plenty of talk about him going to PSG um, is, is he now staying is he going obviously uh, Maximilian um, Phillips has come in from uh, from Freiburg as well that that was a, a signing this week um, is he just going to be you know, a bit of a backup player, or what, what exactly is going on with Dortmund and transfers at the moment? Yeah, Philip is is the replacement for Royce because Royce got operated on the ACL right yesterday. Well, we found out about it yesterday. It happened on Wednesday, but um, those who know a bit more about what's going on knew that this was the case. An ACL injury is something that needs to be operated on when you have it to that magnitude, and that means six to eight months. That's just the reality of the injury. So Dortmund had to bring in a replacement for Royce. And Philipp is the perfect player for that. He's not a replacement for Aubameyang. I know that Aubameyang is in Los Angeles right now. Um, He was seen there this morning uh, with his family. So um, he's not, unless he's moving to LA Galaxy, which I think is highly doubtful, he is uh, not prepping up for a transfer anytime soon. I know that the sport build heavily backpedaled on that rumor that they created about him moving to uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Now, all of a sudden, because PSG changed the sporting director, they're not interested anymore. I think there wasn't anything to that story to begin with because Borussia Dortmund never got an offer. And I believe, Watzke, that he has to actually say if there was a substantial offer because they are a traded company. They have to announce it. And if they say there wasn't, then obviously it's not true. Um, So Sport built not always the most reputable paper to begin with in Germany, but they, I think they really shot themselves in the foot there. There is an offer from China, and that offer is 
enormous. It's 100 million euros over four years. It's um, a substantial, it would be a substantial, if they would go through with it, because there's no offer to Borussia Dortmund, it's just to the player. Um, but I would assume that would be in the region of 100 million euros. So um, I think that is really what Aubameyang is thinking about. But Chris, we've talked about this so many times. He's not going to go to China, surely. So I think we can, we, for now, I would say he will stay around. And if there is no announcement until July 1st, he's not going anywhere. Um, I know there's a lot of people say in Germany saying, well, in England, they don't start with transfers till later. Borussia Dortmund are not going to wait till later because they need to start planning and get their season start going. This is how it works in German football. They don't want to pull a Wolfsburg, sell their best players in August and don't have replacements for them. That's just not going to happen. So I think I personally tend towards saying he's definitely staying. And then if there's nothing happening till July 1st, I'll say that absolutely he's staying. Well, you know how our predictions go, so you never know what way that one could go. But if we're speaking about China, uh, we've seen uh, Roger Smith um, go there. Um, you never know. Uh, maybe Pierre Emerick Aubameyang could uh, could sign him and play for him. That chance of that happening, I would imagine. But uh, speaking of uh, Roger's uh, previous sides, um, we, we obviously mentioned him being at Bayern Leverkusen uh, many, many times talking about how and when he was going to get the sack. Um, and, you know, good luck to him in China and all. But but Bayer Leverkusen actually have a, a new manager uh, this week. Uh, they've got a guy in from Jan Regensburg. I probably pronounced that wrong. I always do. But um, they, they've brought in uh, Coach uh, Herlich, who's uh, managed to get them promoted two years on the bounce. Um, but, yes, yeah, Susie, um, if we look at uh, Bayer Leverkusen, I mean, a side that really didn't do very well at all last season. Um, you know, do, do you think um, Herrick's going to be the man to um, to, to awaken this uh, sleeping giant? Or, or do you think it's a bit of a gamble on their behalf? I don't know. I, I think it's a bit of a gamble. Obviously, his history with the Leverkusen as he played for them, as well as Gladbach and Bivope. Um, uh, the positive uh, leading... Uh, Regensburg from fourth to second division in a few seasons is is fantastic. Um, but his one big shot at the Bundesliga, I, I think it was Bundesliga level, correct? Mm-hmm. With yeah. Dahlheim? Yeah. Right? And he didn't finish the season. He ended up uh, four wins, ten losses, and eight draws. So, granted, that was a few years ago. Uh, maybe it's his time to shine. I. You always get the feeling that... that for whatever reason, Leverkusen just can't quite get it right. Is 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 Hellish the the is he the turn? Is is that the difference? It is a gamble. It's also an attractive gamble. I like the fact that Bundesliga are hiring uh, German coaches within uh, the lower divisions and provo- promoting and promoting you know fairly young guys as well. Um, it's going to be a big question. I, I think that maybe there were there were some Leverkusen fans hoping uh, possibly Tuchel would take over, but Tuchel is taking a gap year now, correct? And maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see. So, so, uh, and I'm not quite sure what their options options may have been, but hey, you know. I guess roll the dice and gamble. I actually, I really enjoyed uh, Roger Schmidt uh, when he came initially. I think he had this great plan that the team could never quite get figured out. Um, and then he couldn't change either. You know, he had a plan A and a plan A. And, and that was it. So, yeah, it's a gamble. But, hey, why not see how it goes? Manu, what, what about you? How do you see a... Bayer Leverkusen's year uh, being, uh, do, you, do you see the, their fortunes changing? Or like Susie says, do you think they'll remain uh, Neverkusen? Um, I like this appointment, actually. I think for some odd reason, it just when when they announced it, I thought this this could work. Um, I don't have, other than the, the years that he had at Jan Regensburg, and you know he did 
he did manage two promotions in two years. One of those promotions uh, wasn't the greatest experience for myself, but he did manage it, and he, he you know, he he worked wonders with a team that no one expected to get promoted to Bundesliga two. Um, his point average one point six four. Now you know for Jan that doesn't sound amazing, but he after the years in Bochum he took he took a step back. He went to Unterhaching, and then he went into the Bayern system with the U seventeen. And I think that did him very well. Um, I think it was a good move for him to take a step back and just take a look at it and then rebuild his career from the bottom up. And, I mean, Bayer didn't really have any other options. They wanted Peter Bosch, but Bosch didn't, you know, obviously preferred Borussia Dortmund and Tuchel wasn't available because I think Tuchel has bigger fish to fry. And... Um, I think this this could be one that could move, work out for them. Um, he will. It's it's going to be a tough year for him because they will sell some players. Um, Chicharito, sadly, because I actually like Chicharito quite a bit, could be one to go. Brandt is probably gone. Um, so we'll see, but it, it could work out. Um, he does seem to have a plan, and he has learned to have a plan B and C. And I agree one hundred percent with Susie. Roger Schmidt's biggest problem was he had one plan and that one plan only. He was so stubborn to stick to that one plan that it cost him the job. Well, let's hope that the Chinese can get hold of that plan eh? and they, they can drive forward maybe. Um, uh, do, do you see uh, Manu, uh, maybe Brandt or Chicharito staying in the Bundesliga? No. Um, no. I think Brandt is I know Bayern really hoped that they would land him, but um, Brandt is going to go abroad. Um, and Chicharito, I really, I really would like to see him in the league because you know, you Susie, you live in the United States, you know how big of a marketing tool that guy is for the Mexicans mm-hmm. living there, right? He is huge. He is the mm-hmm. biggest asset as a player that the league has, and it would be very good for him to stay. Um, whether Bayer can hang on to him with all Champions League football, I find that one difficult. Yeah, I've, I've heard talk that he may end up in France, but I suppose you never know what uh, may happen. But yeah, Chris, um, Bayer Leverkusen one of the only uh, side to get uh, a new uh, head coach this week. Uh, where are they? Um, it looks like Schalke have as well. Uh, what can you tell us about this? Yeah, it's, uh, that's another strange one, isn't it? Um I obviously poor old Marcus had a bit of a stinker, didn't he? And we uh, <laughs> we debated earlier on, didn't we? Um, at the start of the season, we chatted round about Christmas, didn't we? Where um, I think I don't know if it was you, Bryce or Mano, who thought he might get moved on, and I said he might just get given a little more time because of the injuries they've had and because of the stumble, and and then it, they sort of brought it back and they pushed up high, but. In the end, um, it it wasn't it wasn't happening, and and wow, um, Conor Pianka just came out and stuck the knife straight in, didn't he? Calling him a coward um, live on Ukrainian television, and he was pretty yeah. much sacked quickly after that. Um, yeah, joke in Germany right now is Conor Pianka fired Weinzier live on Ger- on Ukrainian television. Yeah, and, and that has to be because you, I mean, um, didn't. Um, he came out, didn't he, and said, oh, he's going to get a bit of a fine for that. And about 20 seconds later, he was sacked. So um, it, it didn't go down well. Um, that just shows you the discourse, obviously, that was in the dressing room then. If um, if Conor Pianka, who, who was a good player, but he wasn't a you know, dedicated in-and-out first name on the team sheet, if he's got the um, wherewithal within him to say, actually, do you know what, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you out on live television, um, see what you can do about it. He obviously had... Um, Information you would think that he was going. It's just they've they've hired someone who oh, I, I I don't know. If you've had a bad season, Schalke Champions League um, team um, signed the uh, Europa League captain um, in Koke from Sevilla. Were expected to do wonders um, last season, and they didn't. It all fell to pieces with multiple injuries, stuttering starts, um, a little bit of a pullback. And then all of a sudden, um, they're getting Tedesco from from out of all places. Um, yeah, team that d- 
don't don't excite me. Uh, I've lucky enough I cycled through that area once. It's beautiful, and their stadium is very nice, and it's a very green hilly area. And if you're on a cycle ride through Germany, I would suggest going through it. But football wise, they're they're awful. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, no, come I'm, on, they, they definitely have turned it around a little bit while he was there. Were they not towards the end of the season? Okay, so let's I mean, they look. Dead Ma- match day one, one after the end of match day one, they were in seventeenth place. Now you can't judge the league after one game. But they went all the way up to sixth on match day two, and then you know they were just hanging around in the red zone after that. Um, from it was much. They fired their coach and brought this guy in to save the season. Yeah, and and but he he saved the season a little bit. But I, oh, it's if it's Schalke, go and get someone else. I would say because they can't afford another stumble. They've already had um, Kashelniak leave. That's going to be massive. Um, Matip left the season before look at the effect that he had once he'd gone I think that the with um, Koselniak going that's going to have the same sort of defensive knock on that happened when Matip left so I I would have liked to have seen them gone for a, a well I wouldn't like to obviously because um, the, the, the massive rivals but oh yeah I I can only see this ending um, you know Poorly. I mean, look when he came in. He came in match day twenty four, didn't he? Um, and yeah, he, he pulled them out, sort of. But I would suggest that on this, um, that was more the teams around him faltering um, than than Al all of a sudden um, starting to play like Barcelona. Yeah, they had one point eight two points in his eleven games, but I do think you have a point because. It's it's a massive gamble. He's a 31-year-old. This was his first job in, in German football. And yes, he did rescue Auer. And that was a good job, a job well done. But 11 games in coaching experience in professional football. That's it. This, that is this could all only he got. happen in Germany, though, I, I feel. That they, yeah. they actually are willing to give the the chance to to a, a coaches and experience and as young as this. Yeah, but yeah, Schalke I mean, are a big team. They, they, you know, they're a big team yeah. that have faltered. Like Bayer Leverkusen, a big team that have faltered. Uh, oh, yeah, it's not good for me. This. Well, you know, you know, this is a typical Heidel move in some ways because he did the same with Tuchel and Klopp at Mainz. But Schalke are not Mainz. A young coach like that needs an environment where he can build, right, and have. Um, the time to succeed and the time to build something in Mainz is the perfect breeding ground for young coaches because it is quiet there. And even a relegation isn't the end of the world, although it hasn't happened to them in a long time. It isn't the end of the world as long as you play the right kind of football and you have the proper ideas, right? Schalke is a shark tank. Um, you know, it's run by a businessman who does most of his meat producing business in, in Russia and had brought in Gazprom as a main sponsor. It's uh, not a happy, lucky environment. And I think that is something that we have to consider here. I think it's a gutsy move by Heidel, but it's a Mainz move, not a Schalke move. And I, I think this could be one that will go either very well or very bad. There's not going to be a middle ground here. I'm saying he's sacked by October. Oh, that's a big gamble. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. Susie, can you give us any positivity on this? Good Lord. uh, uh, Manu Manu basically said what I was going to say is that uh, this is a huge gamble by Heidel, and maybe Heidel is resting on his mind's reputation to, to pull this off and see it through. But I have to agree completely with what he said. Um, that cauldron of very happy people that is Schalke and their fans is is probably yeah yeah that's probably not the right place for uh, Tedesco to be starting his Bundesliga career. I do, I I don't. I mean, uh, the positive for me is we, we all have notebooks of sad Schalke fans pictures you know, folders in our computers. So, you know, we may, we get, we may get some uh, a lot of use out of those this season. <laughs> well, remember what happened to Weinseal. Weinseal got butchered there, absolutely murdered. And he came yeah. from a small market team and had a bigger reputation than this guy. 
And Tedesco right. is Tedesco finished um, together with Nagelsmann. He had the highest grades in the in the class that, that Nagelsmann was in. But uh, being a good concept coach in our or Hoffenheim or Mainz or Freiburg, you know, environments where you can build, where you can bring through a concept and you can work in peace. It's something completely different. Be different, than yeah. Schalke week in and week out. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement. I it's think this so has good. all uh, this has all the hallmarks of um, Ishmael Mark II at Wolfsburg. <laughs> Promise <laughs> loads comes in, gets a, gets an appointment after a, a few games. Um, it's it's an emergency appointment, and then actually, uh oh, we need to get rid of him. And all of a sudden, we're on our second manager of the season, and we're on match day seven. Well, it reminds me. You know what it reminds me of when Zorninger became head coach at Stuttgart. That was a similar. Everyone praised Toniger for his work and his his concepts and the how well it works and everything. And then they didn't have the results and he was gone. Because Stuttgart is is similar in that regard. It's a big club with a huge fan base, an emotional fan base too. And this this has this written all over for me too. And then you know Toniger went to Copenhagen and he's doing a fantastic job there, right? Because he can work there in peace. I would have liked to see Tedesco maybe get a bit more experience before he does this. But, well, I wish him the best of luck. I hope it works out. Wow. So, so we're more in, in agreement that it's, it's more the club rather than the actual, uh, the actual manager, Tedesco. Is that oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, look what happened to Weinzierl. And I'm, I mean, this is the joke. Konoblanka fired Weinzierl live on Ukrainian television. No other club in Germany could have managed this. That you know, one of the big stars goes back home on television, and we're talking live television, you know. <laughs> <Ballsy. laughs> yeah, for it's me, Bryce, you've hit the nail on the head. That's it's 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 a good appointment. It's just the wrong club after the season they had last season. Then, then what type of uh, manager would be the best fit for the likes of Schalke? We're, we're talking about how how Schalke are such a troubled club and so difficult to you know, to, to steer them in the right direction. But, you know, they're, they're still known as a big club, you know, and very much like Leverkusen, they're a bit of a sleeping giant. I mean, Susie, who who do you think would be, or what kind of manager would, would be the, uh, or coach would be the, the, the ideal person for the role? Gosh, uh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you a level and not necessarily, I'm going to throw out some names, but like that, sort of level right so yeah. it's got to be like a like a Favre Magatz kind of level okay that's fair enough. So, do you understand what I'm saying yeah I, I know I know like what you fair mean assessment a, a, a big um German name has to be to you know to stand up to not necessarily Heidel I think Heidel has good intentions but um to the club in general and, and to be a presence uh, uh, in that cauldron, if you, if you will. Do you guys get what I'm saying or am I crazy? No, it's, it has to be Thomas Tuchel. That's what I was going to say, but it won't be, will it? Well, if it is, no, it won't be, wow. it, there's would, no going been, back if it that is. That would have been it. That would have been oh it. my gosh, that would have been... Yeah. I mean, but, how how... How how does either side reconcile that? I mean, I mean, normally you okay, don't have so, to move houses. So, I mean, but the, you would have to. everybody kind of got over the Neuer to to Bayern thing, you know, back in 2010. Yeah. But it took a long time, and uh, but I don't know. I don't know if you can successfully manage both sides without completely pissing off. Well, Tuchel is a technocrat. So he wouldn't have cared what the fans thought. That's what Charlie right. needs. The Hoop Stevens yeah. was a bit like that, right? The Knurrer from Kerkrade. You need someone who just doesn't care about all the stuff that's going on at the club. You know, Gaspar mingling, the meat guy, like trying to sell and buy players. You need someone who just doesn't care. And Tuchel mm-hmm. can do that. Of course, that, that's, that ship has sailed. Uh, so, but that's the kind of person you need. Well, you never know. After after week or match day seven, uh, according to Chris, you know there could be an emergency appointment of uh, Tuchel. No, get your bets on now. 
<laughs> yeah, you probably get a hundred to one on that. Throw a tenner on it. And hey, wish Chris, Merry Christmas. Chris, can you put can you put in a tenner for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> seems like it's it seems like it's worth an investment. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna go out there just for the Schalke fans and say it's gonna be a good appointment. Noel's gonna go well, just because everyone else has been so negative. I think uh, how wrong I'll end up being probably, but uh, you never know. Let's see what happens anyway. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on to uh, transfers then. And yes, uh, Susie, uh, we've obviously been uh, very happy to have you on. Uh, you specialize very much in Bayern Munich and uh, they've had a, a rather big transfer uh, this Sunday. Um, well, what exactly can you tell us about uh, this move? It's Serge Gnabry that's, that's moved over from uh, Werner Bremen. It, I'm totally psyched. Um, Manuel has talked about it in his article. It's kind of a the worst kept secret in in Bayern transfer, I guess, news or fandom. Um, he was always eventually going to come to Bayern. It just happened to be a year earlier um, to move from the position he was in, like bit player at Arsenal on loan uh, to West Brom. And then to have the Olympics that he did and then the season that he did with Werder Bremen. And then to get um, a kid who's only on the up and up uh, for Bayern in a wing position that is under complete contention by the club a year early than they were supposed to get him. I mean, gosh, what's not to love right there? I think it... um, it relieves the pressure of the club from having to try and sign Alexis Sanchez. And this is obviously a different conversation, but it's all, it's all of course related. And um, I, you know, I can see, I can see a kind of future with uh, Gnabry and, and Coleman uh, on the wings for Bayern. And I like it. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think he had a, a phenomenal first half of the season last year, and I, I think he's a hell of a talent, and uh, I think it's a great signing as well. Uh, Manu, you've, you've even wrote a, an article today on it. Uh, you, what all have, uh, have you covered in that, and uh, did you think this is as positive as uh, Susie and I um, have, have just mentioned? I, I think it's fascinating. Um I think when he activated or when the release clause was activated, I think it was Friday, right? They wasn't, the destination wasn't actually known yet. We, when I say it was the worst kept secret, um, the secret was that Bayern basically paid Arsenal the transfer fee or part of the transfer fee in order for Werder to sign him because Werder didn't have the money last summer to sign Serge Gnabry. Um, as part of that deal, Bayern had an activation clause. I had the first refusal on him um, to sign him for the the release clause that was in his contract. Now, I think what has happened is that there was substantial interest in Gnabry this summer. And that interest came from Hoffenheim and Leipzig. And I think in the end, Bayern moved this deal forward because they knew that he could sign for one of those other two clubs. Um, I heard some talk that there was also thought that, uh, you know, Hoffenheim and Leipzig would sign Gnabry, but then that the, the clause in his contract would stay, that the Bayern would still have first refusal. Now, Leipzig was definitely not going along with that because Leipzig, we've discussed this many times on this pod before, Leipzig want to become like Bayern. They don't want to become a club that feeds to Bayern. Um, Hoffenheim just lost Sule and Rudy to Bayern and they want to build long term. So they weren't too keen on this either. So I think what happened is they moved this forward because um, it was either that or the player could have ended up somewhere else. Now, that said, I think it's a very fascinating move and I'm curious to see how this works out with Alexis Sanchez because the word on the street is that they're still interested in Alexis Sanchez. I know, Susie, you're not too keen on Alexis Sanchez for various reasons. And I understand it too, because the, the entire package is going to be 180 million euros for Sanchez. That's a lot of money. Um, and we're talking, of course, you know, the, uh, the transfer sum in the region of, um, 80 million and then four years would be another 100 million because he's supposed to earn 25 million euros a year. 
ton of money. A lot of money. That's a lot of money for players of 28. And you, we know the Bundesliga doesn't operate in those in those levels. The Bundesliga is all about signing younger players that you, you can work with for if you buy in for a long time, six, seven, eight, nine years, right? And if you're one of the other teams, you can sign a player and then make money with them. Or even Dortmund now, they're looking at signing these young players for long-term projects. The Bundesliga doesn't operate in this kind of money region. So I can see, um, I can see the wheels turning in the Bayern head office over the last 48 hours. So we have this guy. We have first refusal on him. There's other clubs that want him. Then we have this Chilean guy who is asking for 100 million over four years. What are we going to do? We might as well bring this kid in now, right? And sign him. Um, we may still have to sign Sanchez because we need to do something big this summer. But it relieves sort of, it's a, it's a, it's a good negotiation tool. And the thing is too, and I wrote this in the article, if they find out over the, over the summer break that this isn't, isn't great, um, they could just loan him out. Speaking of uh, Alexis Sanchez, uh, Susie, w- what's your opinion on that possible transfer? You, you, you kind of suggested before that you may not be that keen. Uh, why is that? Um, uh, is it his style? Is it his cost? His attitude? Cost, yes. Style, attitude, not necessarily. Um, it's just, it's a bad business decision. So, so going back, I've been really, really critical of Ancelotti's opening season. Um, and so I'm kind of digressing a little bit, but I promise I get to a point, uh, where he's supposed to be a good man manager and he managed to piss off a half of his staff. You know, he upset Douglas Costa, Frank Rivery. He did nothing with the youth. Jerome Boateng is pissed off as well. Mm-hmm. Like for a guy that is supposed to be able to, uh, he's a player's manager. Um, I, I don't feel like he did the job he was supposed to do. And, and, and that leads us to even having to look for a guy like Alexis Sanchez. Right. You guys with me? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree right. with you because Jerome Boateng is a good example. We, we, there is, I've written an article just recently about this and people were, we chatted about this, right, Susie? But people were like, yeah. what? Jerome Boateng wants to go, but he does. That, yeah, that, but he's that not going. Actually, <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing, but he does want to go. And I mean, well, I, what, why does he want to go? He doesn't feel appreciated. Uh, uh, would you yeah, it's agree the craziest, with that? It's the craziest kind of thing. Okay, so um, you guys saw he he came over to the States and he was on uh, Men and Blazers, which is not something I particularly watch, and, and did a show on um, one of the radio shows on Sirius XMFC, which is our satellite radio, the footy channel. You know, so I'm assuming he's going to meet with, you know, uh, his agents in the office over here. We have to um, mention who his agent is too. It's Jay Z, right? That's, yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah. He he is being his agency is uh, with Jay Z, which is, I mean, yeah. of course, you know, this is the agency not only helps him with transfer matters, but also in this entire image campaign, etc. So you know, he is a player who, who sees himself as a big part at Bayern, and he doesn't feel he has that big part right now. Right. So, so it, you know, and then I know we argued about it and I'm going to be really steadfast and say that he's not going whether he wants to or not. Um, but I understand what you're saying, uh, Manuel about the whole situation, but anyway, he's, he's a topic in and of itself, but if he leaves, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not going to be a fan, but I think it's a, it would be an absolutely horrible, horrible decision. And I don't see Ancelotti really doing anything positive for the club. They progressed in tactics and, and pissed everybody off. And, and now you have a world-class center back that wants to leave the club. I mean, come on, what are you doing? And then you're chasing a guy that you have to pay 60 million plus on the transfer market. And then with these amazingly 
ostentatious wage like wage demands as well. Bayern, I mean, they can afford to pay Sanchez $25 million, but not without a complete revolt by everybody else at the club. Mm. I mean, how does this make financial sense or anything? And then even going beyond that, it's 28 years old. Yeah, that's, that, that's, what, that's why I'm struggling. The 20-year-old factor, that's too old. You know, we're lucky that... 33-year-old Robin is now the more the most fit he's ever been in his life. Is that going to happen with Sanchez? I mean, nobody can say that. Those figures are ridiculous. I mean, that's just, it's dumb. And, and one thing that Bayern really aren't, they're not horrible businessmen. I know they're kind of weird on the transfer market, but I think that they they lose when they sell players because if players don't want to be a part, they're just like, all right, F off, go wherever you want. We'll approve it. Just but get do, out. Would you say that maybe the likes of uh, the young players that they do have uh, coming through and obviously with Robin and Ribery not, not getting any younger, that maybe Sanchez coming in at that age, he would be a yeah, very expensive one, but almost a, a replace, almost a bridge between uh, those two kind of uh, going their way out, even though they're still playing very well, uh, but it kind of ties them over with a bit of experience and a high-quality player until the other players are that good and that experienced. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. Honestly, for 100 million? <laughs> but, not, but not for the amount of money. You know, because, uh, okay, so, so Ribery's been extended. It's Robin's last year. And Ribery's got one plus. I I don't, you know, and he's always going to want to play Ribery. And when he's fit, Ancelotti will always play him because he's Ancelotti. So I don't, I'm not sure that a bridge like Sanchez makes any sort of sense whatsoever. Thinking about. Yeah, he's too costly. And thinking about the way that, that, Carlo manages the squad. It doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So you don't see uh, Boateng and Sanchez doing a swap deal now? Oh my God. I would shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Boateng will not go to Arsenal. No, the, the, he's the definitely not going to Arsenal. The name that you hear here is Chelsea. Um, because Conte, Conte is a big fan and, and Chelsea has the kind of money. Uh, Chelsea have been very business smart and I, I could see Boateng being attracted to the London lifestyle too. Um, but I mean, uh, maybe, maybe Pep's worked with Boateng before. Would he like him there or? Yeah, well, I mean, Boateng, Boateng already had his stint at Man City. Yeah, and he has voiced his uh, opinion on living in Manchester quite openly in the press here, so I don't think that's that's his that's for him. Um, it will be London, if anywhere else, um, if that. But you know, th- this is this is an interesting debate because um, Bayern are Bayern, and they 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 want to make that splash on the transfer market, and the only player that can give them. A huge amount of money right away is Boateng because Douglas Costa, if they sell him, and then they are going to sell him, I'm certain they will sell him for the amount of money that they bought him for. They bought him for 30 and they will get 30 for him now. And then they're not going to get huge amount of cash for him, you know, or more cash than they, they paid for him. So they're really the only player that could make give them a huge transfer, transfer plus. And remember, Bayern are always keen on having a money left at the end of the year, right? would be to move Boateng and then bring in someone like Sanchez. I'm totally with you, Susie. The more I think about it, it's it's not a smart business decision. Um, the, the feeling here in Munich is, um, other than talking about what's going on in 1860, has been the fact that Bayern, um, people want to buy the squad to be more German, you know, and signing Süle and Rudi and um, now Gnabry, Goretzka, um, who's coming next year at the latest, those are the kind of play- players that the people here want to see. And uh, I, I can I can see why, you know, to have that strong German core has always been something that has really made the club excellent. 
Um, and I can see why people kind of want to see that again. I'm definitely not going to disagree with you. Um, I like I like that Bayern. I like the German core because I think it also bodes well for the national side too. Would you agree? Yeah, it has. I mean, this is, has been one of the biggest assets. Traditionally, right. German's national team has been one or two clubs thrown together. Right. You know, usually, right. Dortmund, usually Dortmund or Bayern, and before that it was Bayern and Bremen, and before that it was Bayern and Gladbach. But that was always, you know, two big, two of those, two or three of the big teams basically fielded the entire national team. Right, right. And and why the national team has been so successful over the years as well. Um, yeah, I I like that, and I I like the fact that even though um, Bayern is one of the top five money clubs in the entire world, uh, and they have the money for these huge transfers, they do. It's there. The fact that they're still looking for young talent or still looking for German talent or still, you know, trying, they don't promote youth or crap at that. And they have been for years now, but, but the fact that they're, they're not splashing, you know, 70 million, 60 million um, on players. I think there's something to be said for that. And it's just, if we, we just have one final question before we see out the pods, uh, which areas, do you think uh, Bayern need to invest in and do you see it uh, being likely or is there any particular players or transfers that you would like to see see happen with them? Oh, gosh. So, uh, with Costa out, likely, and Gnabry in, second striker is, is absolutely the number one target for me and for anyone else. Um, I think it's silly um, not to have that option. Um, it's just, that's bad. Unfortunately, it's such a position where Lewandowski is almost never injured that it's really, really difficult to fill. So you're looking for a veteran guy. I, I would have thought um, somebody like uh, Huntelar would have been perfect for the role. Right? You need a veteran guy that can come in and do some business and is content to sit on the bench most of the time and pick up, you know, two, three million a year. Uh, and not, it can't be young because they all want to play and it can't be somebody too good because they're n- not as good as Lewandowski, you know? So the, that's a really, really tough role to fill. I think that's the most important role that they have to fill. Other than that, uh, the talk about Verratti, where are you going to put him? It doesn't make any sense. So it's a stacked midfield with unhappy people in it already. I mean, you know, you can't just snap up people for no reason with no place to put them, you know, with no spots to put them into. Um, Look at what happened with, with Renato Sanchez. It would um, if we just move to Chris very quickly, uh, and then we'll see if you agree with it, Susie. Um, Chris, would would you say that uh, Lukaku to Bayern Munich would make sense? Uh, yes, yeah, so I wrote an article that's um, on Fushbostat now, which was what sort of fit would Romelu Lukaku have at Bayern Munich? I think he'd be an excellent fit. Um, he links up well with those around him. I think if he came in, it would force um, the hand to go three-five-two. I know we talked about it, it didn't really work very well at um, at Dortmund. However, when it has worked, it's needed a couple of real strong players on the spine, most notably in the centre of the three and the middle of the five, and your two up front need to be top-notch. I think um, Lukaku would work excellently with um, Lewandowski, and I think that would be a formidable force. Um I think he would be a perfect fit because at some point with Bayern aging and I almost feel that in sort of a transitional period, you've got an eye that um, Nagelsmann may come in um, in either a year or a year and a half and his obviously preferred formation is 3-5-2 and he does it excellently. I think if um, Bayern went out and signed Lukaku now um, and, and brought him in and went on that um, sort of change to 3-5-2, I, I think Bayern could be unstoppable in Europe, definitely. 
Um, and I think it would add a, add a bit of a mix to to the Bundesliga challenge that they're facing. This is, uh, Chris, this is really interesting. Oh, and yes, Lukaku in a 3-5-2 would be... <laughs> I'm over here giggling. I'm rubbing my hands together. Like, can't, can't wait to get my little grubby little hands on that formation. Um, I see the merit, even without Lukaku, of a 3-5-2 at Bayern. Um, just with the personnel and the talent uh, that are there, especially with Sule coming in, so I'd have a I'd have a diamond midfield um, with Sule as center back and and Boateng and uh, Hummels flanking him. Put uh, Javi Martinez at that back point, Thiago in the center, flanked by Kimmich and Alaba. Possibly Muller at the top. I mean, the, this is just kind of random off the top of my head. And uh, Robin and Lewandowski up top. Well, I, I think even, uh, I think Susie, you said you weren't feeling too good, but rhyming off that uh, that dream formation has seemed to have done it for you. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> seems to have pulled you around a little bit. All but, right. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but yeah, guys, I, I think uh, I think we can wrap it up there. Let's hope that some of these transfers uh, come our way, especially for Susie's sake. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting and exciting uh, summer in a, amongst the uh, Bundesliga sides. But um, yeah, we'll do our shoutouts, I think, and then we will call it a day. Yeah, uh, Susie, uh, where can people find your stuff? Whether it's on Twitter or if you're writing anything or or doing anything else, where where can people find you? Sure thing. Okay, my Twitter handle is FussballSusie, F-U-S-S-B-A-L-L-S-U-S-I-E. Um, I am doing editing work for and social media for In Bed with Maradona, and I'm also now the co-host of their new podcast they're starting as well, which I'm very excited to delve into. Um, IBWM uh, at In Bed W-I Maradona on Twitter. And then uh, I do some senior writing on Bayern for Bayern Central, uh, self-explanatory, and a pine on Bayern as well for Bundesliga for you or a Bundesliga fanatic. Well, Susie, I can speak for the guys and I'll say thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's been great fun. Um, yes, it was a pleasure. <laughs> I, well, I'll just go to the other two fellas. You guys always have plenty going on. Uh, Chris, uh, what have you uh, maybe been uh, involved with this week that you would like to plug? Um, well, obviously, I read the article on um, Lukaku going to potentially, not potentially going, but how, how would he be a good fit at Bayern? So that's on there. Um, I've got a massive editorial deadline to meet a um, Portugal um, preview for the Confederations Cup, which will be done by tomorrow, Manu, and released tomorrow. So that I can get that on air, that that will be done. That's the biggest deadline I've had all year. There's a man under pressure right there. Under uh, pressure. <laughs> Manu, what have you got going on? You always have plenty of uh, articles and whatnot. When, when do you actually go to the Confederations Cup? Friday. I'm flying Friday to Russia. Russia, so I'll be there for four group stage games, uh, opening game in St. Petersburg, three games in Moscow, semi-final in Kazan, final in St. Petersburg. All of that in 14 days. Um, it's going to be busy, but very good. We're going to have tons of coverage on foosballstadt.com. Football Grad, of course, all the previews are up except for Chris's. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> just to put that out there, say the best to last. And that said, Portugal was supposed to go last anyway, so he's still good. Um, so, all the, the we have a big preview on the entire tournament, and then we have previews on all the single countries out on footballgrad.com. And then, of course, on footballgrad.com, we We'll do all the German coverage from the tournament and Football Grad. You'll find coverage from all the other countries going to be at Russia. Russia in particular, the Russian Federation, um, Andrew Flynn, who does the Football Grad podcast, and I will do podcasts from Russia as well. And then uh, Football Zidage, Mexico, uh, would cover those guys as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a very busy two weeks. 
Yeah, well, we look forward to uh, to reading it all and hearing uh, just how busy you are on football stats uh, and football grads. Uh, and we also look forward to that preview, Chris, as well. But um, I've been your host, uh, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. Um, the only thing I've got to plug, I suppose, at the moment is the Golats uh, podcast, which uh, Manu and I have been doing about Mexican football. So if you're interested in Liga MX and uh, anything else uh, Mexican football related uh, maybe check that out so there'll be another one coming out uh, midweek uh, last week we spoke about Fernando Torres going to Liga MX quite interesting but that more or less does it uh, for this week uh, on Gag and Pressing uh, until next week of Vida's End Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.